Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 the uk's foreign secretary warns of china's unprecedented military growth they're making very fast moves and the question is where is the president of the united states president joe biden announces his re-election bid amid concerns for his age among Democrats. This is why you have so many Democrats saying, mm, I think we better go for someone else. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warns of an economic catastrophe should the U.S. default on its debt. Default could be catastrophic for the U.S. economy. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, April 26th. I'm Mike Scott. The UK's Foreign Secretary, James Cleverly, warned on Tuesday that the Chinese secrecy around their unprecedented military buildup means that Britain and its Western partners may have no choice but to assume the worst. At this moment, China is carrying out the biggest military buildup in peacetime history. In a period of just four years, between 2014 and 2018, China launched new warships exceeding the combined tonnage of the Royal Navy's entire active fleet. And as we see this happening, as we watch new bases appear in the South China Sea and beyond, we are bound to ask ourselves, what is it all for? Why is China making this colossal military investment? And if we are left to draw our own conclusions, prudence dictates that we must assume the worst. Cleverly explains that should China invade Taiwan, the impact on the world's economy would be disastrous for the entire world. And no country would be safe from the repercussions. A war across the strait would not only be a human tragedy, it would destroy world trade worth $2.6 trillion, according to the Nikkei Asia. No country could shield itself from the repercussions. Distance would offer no protection from this catastrophic blow to the global economy, and indeed to China most of all. And I shudder to contemplate the human and financial ruin that would follow. So it is essential that no party takes unilateral action to change the status quo. Meanwhile, China has not ruled out the use of force to secure unification with Taiwan and has conducted war games over the past couple of months following visits from former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan and Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen meeting with current House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on a stopover in the U.S. 
Gordon Chang is the author of The Coming Collapse of China and joined the Salem Radio Network saying that China is moving quickly and, unfortunately, President Biden is absent. Uh, China sees itself as the premier actor. And we know that because on March 22nd, when Xi Jinping was bidding farewell to Vladimir Putin in Moscow after their 40th, 40th in-person chat, Xi Jinping said, quote, change is coming that hasn't happened in 100 years, and we are driving this change together. Now, the translation of that is that China is the boss of the world and the U.S. is no longer a factor. And Xi Jinping has been acting like that. So, for instance, that, that spy balloon that transversed our country, I mean, that shows utter disrespect for the United States and for President Biden. So we know what the Chinese are saying. We know what they're thinking. They're making very fast moves. They're about to grab another country out from under Biden. And the question is, where is the president of the United States? Yeah. Chang warns that Americans need to wake up to the threat of China, not only abroad, but at home as well. The American people should be asking, why would the Chinese feel that they could open up a formal police station in violation of all their treaty obligations to the U.S., the Vienna Convention on uh, Diplomacy? And the reason is that um, for decades, American presidents have allowed Chinese consular officials and Ministry of State Security agents to engage in acts that not only violate our sovereignty, many of them were just criminal. And when we caught them, we let them go. So I think the Chinese felt that they might as well just open up a police station. Now, it's not just the one in New York that closed a couple months ago. It is also six more, according to reporting from the New York Post and the Safeguard Defenders, which is the Spanish-based NGO. And the issue the American people need to ask is, why didn't we hear about these additional police stations from the FBI and from the president of the United States? Meanwhile, the U.K.'s foreign ministry did stress that there would be no new Cold War and that Western countries had to work with China to make progress on some of the biggest challenges facing the world. Fighting has erupted again in Sudan, despite a truce. Daybreak Insider's Norman Hall has the very latest on Sudan. Sudanese and foreigners streamed out of Sudan's capital, Khartoum, and other battle zones despite a new three-day truce brokered by the United States and Saudi Arabia. Aid agencies raise increasing alarm over the crumbling humanitarian situation in a country reliant on outside help. A series of short ceasefires the past week have either failed outright or brought only intermittent lulls in the fighting that has raged between the forces loyal to the country's two top generals since April 15th. Calls for negotiations to end the crisis in Africa's third-largest nation have been ignored. I'm Norman Hall. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. This is not a time to be complacent. That's why I'm running for re-election. He's running again. President Biden has officially announced the kickoff of his 2024 campaign with the tagline, Finish the Job, which could potentially extend the run of America's oldest president. A fact that has many Americans questioning if he should be challenged for the Democratic nomination. 
Should Biden win a second term, he will be 86 by the end of his second four years in office. Still, he is hoping that some of what he believes are his first-term legislative achievements will count against the concerns about his age. In fact, according to many polls, a notable swath of the Democrat Party has indicated that they prefer he not run, in part because of his age. Still, reporter Tom Dempsey says that despite concerns and even grumblings over a new nominee, there really isn't any serious competition for Joe Biden. Other people who might run, you know, we saw Governor Gavin Newsom possibly rumored as a presidential candidate, governor of California, as well as a few other names. We've seen, like you said, Marianne Williamson and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, Kennedy also uh, announcing a run for president. But Lesser-known names, those two. So, again, this kind of really put on hold all those plans. And, you know, as you were saying with the debate, you know, a lack of debate on the Democratic side. It's very rare for a president to be challenged, to be primaried uh, when it comes to running uh, for re-election. So I don't think we're going to see many other names join the, at least the Democratic side. The Republican uh, side is still a you know, work in progress right now as to whether Florida Governor Ron DeSantis joins, whether, you know, Mike Pence uh, officially joins the race. So the Republican side is going to be really interesting to watch, but I think it's safe to say President Joe Biden will officially be the nominee for the Democrats uh, running for re-election in 2024. Monica Crowley, the former Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs for the U.S. Department of Treasury, joined the Salem Radio Network and says that the Democrats want to make 2024 about Donald Trump again. Yeah, this was a classic Biden kind of presentation because, you know, look, the Democrats are really interested in making the 2024 election a referendum on Donald Trump, assuming that Trump is the nominee. So that's why you saw the video open with like January 6th footage and then they're trying to um, really rile up women with the abortion issue, etc., and I understand that politics ain't beanbags, so I, I get what they're trying to do here. But when you announce for president, generally speaking, candidates come out of the box with a very positive message, a message of hope, a message of aspiration, a little biography about themselves and their track record. Biden can't do any of that because he's always been a hack and a jerk. And now he's a hack and a jerk with dementia who has royally screwed up the country. Crowley says that it seems like Biden's campaign will hang its hat on making people afraid of Donald Trump. He can't take the usual traditional route of announcing for re-election, inspiring people with hope that better days for the country are ahead. He can't do any of that. So the only thing he can do is kind of try to frighten people about Donald Trump, the MAGA movement, America first, and, and try to hope and pray that people are still so riled up about Donald Trump that they'll take that message and by default vote for him, which is what happened last time. The former assistant secretary says that 2024 is different from 2020. And these old tactics by the Biden election campaign won't work. So whether you're Donald Trump trying to recapture lightning in a bottle that you had in in 2016, which I know Trump is trying to do again. And if anybody can do it, Trump can. 
or your or your uh, Joe Biden, next year is not going to be 2020. And I simply don't think that hiding in the basement and and just trying to scare people about Donald Trump is going to work this time. It will not. Crowley explains that she believes another reason many Democrats are looking for a new candidate is that Joe Biden has simply been a failure as president. They see the last couple of years of absolute catastrophe everywhere they look under Joe Biden, from the economy to inflation to gas prices to the wide open southern border and all of the problems that that brings in to our cities in collapse, to crime out of control. They see it for themselves and it's their own lived experience on the ground. So this is why you have so many Democrats saying, "Mm, I think we better go for someone else. Biden's announcement is roughly consistent with the timeline followed by then-President Barack Obama, who waited until April 2011 to declare for a second term and didn't hold a re-election rally until May of 2012. Trump launched his re-election bid on the day he was sworn in, in 2017. North Dakota now has one of the strongest pro-life laws on the books. We get more on this from Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer. North Dakota's Republican governor has signed legislation banning abortion at six weeks of pregnancy. The ban allows no exceptions for cases of rape or incest, making it one of the strictest in the country. It's designed to take effect immediately. But last month, North Dakota Supreme Court ruled that a state abortion ban will remain blocked while a lawsuit over its constitutionality proceeds. Last week, lawmakers said they plan to pass the bill to send a message to the state's high court to signal that the people of North Dakota want to restrict abortion. I'm Lisa Dwyer. On Tuesday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned that should the U.S. default on its debt, the result would have a catastrophic impact on the economy. This comes as House Speaker Kevin McCarthy pushes for the GOP's Limit, Save, and Grow Act for a vote, which could come as early as Wednesday. According to Republican lawmakers, the bill would lift the debt ceiling while also adding budget cuts. The White House has condemned the GOP proposal, wanting a so-called clean bill instead. The Biden administration also vows to veto the measure if it makes it to his desk. Michael Chanel, congressional correspondent from The Hill, says that while things look sticky, there's still some time for Congress to work this out. This is a summer deadline. It's looking like it'll be either in June or July. So lawmakers still do have some time to act. But what I will say is, and as you said earlier, the clock is ticking, right? Uh, Lawmakers have known since back in January when the U.S. initially hit its debt ceiling and started implementing those extraordinary measures. We knew that this summer deadline was going to be in place. Lawmakers knew they would have to do something about the debt limit or risk falling into economic default by the summer, and we're now seeing how that task is actually more difficult than it sounds. However, the problem is, according to Chanel, many Democrats and Republicans are doubling down on their demands over the debt ceiling, which may cause issues 
the closer we get to the deadline. Democrats and Republicans have been digging in their heels on the debt limit. As you mentioned, Republicans unveiled their bill, which would raise the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion or through March of 2024, whichever one comes first. And it's also paired with what they're saying is $4.5 trillion in savings. Democrats, though, they still are saying that they want a clean debt ceiling increase, which means that there are no conditions. Right now, it doesn't look like Democrats or Republicans are going to budge in this stalemate. So as we get closer to this summer deadline, there is a bit more conversation about the possibility of a default, but there is still some time to find a solution. Chanel says that should the U.S. default on its loans, the repercussions for everyday Americans could be catastrophic. The country has never fallen into this situation when it actually did default on its loans. But analysts and experts have warned that default could be catastrophic for the U.S. economy uh, in terms of inflation and in terms of other economic indicators. So, yeah, this has a lot of high stakes implications for the American people, which is why folks are watching it so closely and watching every move and every development so closely because of the intense impl- uh, the intense uh, uh, meaning and effects of these negotiations. But again, there is still some time until that summer deadline. Frequently in Congress, things don't actually start to move or make progress until that deadline's really coming up close. So there is time. But yeah, I mean, a default would have some serious implications for the U.S. economy and for Americans across the country. While Kevin McCarthy has promised to put the Limit Save Grow Act up for a vote this week, many political insiders are unsure if he has the necessary 218 votes. Republicans hold only a four-seat majority in the House, providing a narrow path for passage. Consumer confidence has dropped again. Daybreak Insider's Mike Hempen breaks down the very latest numbers on the economy. The conference board says its consumer confidence index fell to 101 this month. It was 104 in March. That's the third time in four months that overall consumer confidence has declined. The conference board's present situation index, which measures consumers' assessment of current business and labor market conditions, inched up slightly. But the board's expectations index, a measure of consumers' six-month outlook, for income, business, and labor conditions fell to 68 this month from 74 in March. A reading under 80 often signals a recession in the coming year. I'm Mike Hempen. Entertainer and activist Harry Belafonte has died of congestive heart failure at his home in New York. Belafonte was 96, according to his publicist. And we get more on the loss of Harry Belafonte from Daybreak Insider's entertainment correspondent, Margie Zaraleta. That right there is what Harry Belafonte was best known for. Belafonte said in a 2001 AP interview he heard about that song used in all kinds of ways, but one in particular. More people have told me they sing that song in the shower. Than any place, than any other song I've ever heard of. Belafonte was one of the first popular black performers on film. He was one of the first to sell a million records and the first to win an Emmy. Belafonte also was an activist, marching for civil rights and taking on presidents to push for social change. I'm Archie Zaraleta. And finally, I remember my grandmother saying to me, "I don't care what they tell you in school. Cleopatra was black." Streaming mega service Netflix is under fire for what many of both Greek and Egyptian descent are calling the blackwashing of their shared history in the iconic 
Queen Cleopatra. Recently, Netflix released a trailer for a docuseries produced by Jada Pinkett Smith, which portrays the legendary queen as a black woman. The trailer was immediately lambasted for its ahistorical depiction of the historical monarch, prompting a lawyer from Egypt to sue Netflix in court for their historical revisionism by portraying Queen Cleopatra as a black woman through British actress Adele James. According to the suit, the Egyptian lawyer says Netflix is misappropriating Egyptian history by distorting it. Bassem Youssef is an Egyptian comedian, and he is none too thrilled about what he calls the cultural appropriation of Egyptian culture by Afrocentrism. The problem for me, it's not about color. It's not about white and black. This is a very reductive way to talk about things. This is the way that Americans talk about it. I'm very sorry. Like, I come from Egypt. Egypt has a very diverse color palette. People can look like me or they can look deeper skin tone like Anwar Sadat, who comes from a Nubian origin. It's not about black and white. It's about the continuous culture falsi- uh, appropriation and falsification of history that has been done by what the so-called Afrocentrist movement. Yosef explains that with fictional characters, anyone can play the role. However, Cleopatra was a historical figure. This is a documentary. This is a huge difference. This is not the Little Mermaid, which is like a fictional character where you can anybody can play anything. The, uh, uh, Cleopatra came from a Macedonian Greek origin. And the thing is, it's not about like the skin color. As I don't, we don't care about if they're black or white. It's about, it's about how Hollywood is so culturally sensitive and they're so sensitive about all kinds of, of minorities. But when it comes to my people, we seem to be erased. The Egyptian comedian warns that blackwashing Egyptian history has ahistorical implications. You see in the, in, in, the, in the trailer, it's like, I don't care what, what, what they told you, but Cleopatra was black. Who's that woman? Why is African-American people are telling my own history? She is, there, there's all of these pseudoscience and pseudo-history has been going on, and it has implications. Leading Egyptologist, archaeologist, and the former Minister of State for Antiquities Affairs in Egypt, Dr. Zahai Hwas, when asked, simply said, quote, Cleopatra was Greek, meaning she was light-skinned and not black, end quote. As a matter of history, Cleopatra VII was queen of the Ptolemaic Kingdom of Egypt and its last active ruler. A member of the Ptolemaic dynasty, she was a descendant of its founder Ptolemy, a Macedonian Greek general and companion for Alexander the Great. Her native language was Koine Greek, and she was the only Ptolemaic ruler to learn the Egyptian language. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.